Hello and welcome to Switch It on ESPN Quickinfo.com. This week I'm joined by Mark Butcher and Andrew Miller to reflect on the English season which drew to a close last week and to cast our minds forward to Sri Lanka where England's one-day squad has just arrived today. Um, yesterday was apparently International Podcast Day. Uh, such a thing does exist according to Twitter. Uh, so we are only 24 hours late. So there we go, chaps. We're in honour of International Podcast Day, we are doing Switch It. Fingers on the pulse, as uh, always. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the final pieces of the domestic silverware have been decided since we last met. Worcestershire T20 champions and Surrey, the county champions for the first time since Butch was still sending down some medium pace outswingers. <laughs> um, we haven't had the chance to focus too much on the domestic scene this year, given the amount of cricket England have played. So let's look at those two counties who are in many ways the polar opposites of the county game. You've got the might and power and wealth of Surrey. Um, and the smaller but extremely well-run club um, in Worcestershire. Um, let's start with Surrey, as we have Butch with us. Um, without doubt, worthy county champions. Mm. Uh, Butch, it rarely looked in doubt from the midpoint in the season when the championship took its break. Um, they couldn't quite manage to finish unbeaten, although they gave it one heck of a go against Essex. An extraordinary game, wasn't it? That was a hell of a game. Um, you know, a lot of... Um, I worked on it um, for Sky. Uh, a lot of conjecture about which game we should have chosen to show... Um, the big bosses upstairs probably received a huge sigh of relief when the, when the game turned out the way it did. Given, of course, that the um, you know the trophy for the second division uh, championship was was being handed out to either Kent or uh, or Warwickshire. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the the only game that was still being played on day four, which is you know I suppose is a, is also a nice little metaphor for the way that the rest of the season had gone. Um, you know, three day games everywhere apart from. Um, at the Kia Oval on a, on a pitch that got better and better, I suppose. Um, and one heck of a game, it really was, um, considering that both sides had zero to play for, really. I mean, it, yeah, obviously Surrey, pride-wise, wanted to finish the season unbeaten, try and emulate the team of uh, 99, um, but were just unable to do it. And, and Essex, I mean, goodness me, you'd have thought coming up for, uh, for a week in the smoke with nothing to play for that they might have... <laughs> <laughs> they might have given up the ghost as well at some point after, uh, through day three, but they didn't, and it turned into a classic. So very, very happy to see that. County cricket patting itself on the back for, for being a, a wonderful product. Does it twice a season or so, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it was it was a, a great advertisement for a lot of skill and, um, you know, stamina, fitness. I mean, you know, right at the very end of the season to pull two performances like that out of two teams was quite something. So... Um, yeah, and, and Surrey, absolutely worthy winners. I mean, you're right, halfway through the season, it was very unlikely that they were going to get caught. I mean, Somerset, um, you know, stayed on their coattails for a little while until um, until they had a little bit of a wobble towards the end. But, you know, what was it, 40, 46, 48 points in the end? It was 68 points before the before the last round. Um, so, yeah, they, they were by far and away the best side. Um, and, you know, the, the difference, I guess... Was that was that their top order were able to score runs? You know, Ollie Pope averaged seventy, Burns averaged sixty, um, and you might say, well, that's that's due to flat ones at the over. I think Rory Burns averaged ninety away mm. from home. So uh, yeah, there was a there was a difference there in terms of the amount of runs that they were able to put on the board, and of course with the, the potency of, the, of that bowling attack, um, you know, they were able to take twenty wickets more often than not. Um, Andrew, they've, they've built a formidable side there. You know, we saw Morning Walk on that last day. Um, obviously, his move to Surrey provoked quite a bit of debate. But in terms of the quality on show, that's what you want to see in your top division of your leading domestic first-class game. That spell on the final day that almost clinched it, that was test-match quality bowling. 
Absolutely, that's that's exactly what you want when you get um, when you get overseas pros coming in, whether you know they're retired from Test cricket or they're coming over as coal packs or whatever it may be. Just so long as they come over with a pedigree, you know the quality they're going to provide, and they provide it. I mean, you, you hark back to the glory days of overseas pros, sort of Malcolm Marshall at Hampshire or Joel Garner and Viv Richards down at Somerset. You know, the, these are the type of guys who who not only deliver a job but also help to drag people in in the first place because you, you know that this is outstanding quality and it enhances <coughs> the overall overall product because let's face it that that final day of the of the summer was uh, you know one of those hark back to the glory days of of sort of random access cricket you 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 may not have expected that a four-day five-day match was going to turn into the most compelling viewing on television that day but by the time it reaches that crescendo from the from the base point, 410 run deficit that it came from, it's like how, how on earth do you turn this off? I mean, I nearly left my kids at school that day. There's was, was no way I could <laughs> abandon the, the telly. And not for the first time. I, I, no. To, to, and also to sort of stick up for you know for my for my club, my former club. Um, you know the, the the accusation always thrown is you you know you buy the championships all about sort of like the spending power, the money. Well, Surrey came in under the salary cap again this year. Other clubs were. A lot closer to, to, to tipping it than, than Surrey were. Um, overseas players in the last couple of you know last couple of picks have been Kumar Sangakkara, um, who without any doubt has had a huge influence on the young Surrey batsmen who have, have, have scored runs and have littered. Um, you know their lineup <coughs> this year, um, Mornay Morkel. So the two guys who not only bring wonderful things to the cricket club itself, but um, who who raise the overall standard of the competition. Um, and also the, the the young guys, you know, nine nine guys, um, at times played in elevens for Surrey, who have all come through the academy this year, and that's you know, and that's similar to Worcestershire, I suppose. You know, the, the same the same praise can be heaped on both clubs, um, but I suppose when it's when it's Surrey, when Surrey do it, it's kind of it's something that's often it's often ignored, um, and when Worcestershire do it, of course they're they're lauded for it. And yes, their circumstances are very, very different, but they both have a same, a similar idea as to how to kind of like to take their their on-field, um, you know, their on-field performances or their on on-field prospects forward, which is to try and grow your own as much as you can and augment that with uh, with the best you can find in terms of overseas players. And if it was as easy as being a Test county and being successful, then yeah. you'd have six very successful counties. Yeah. And you look, Lancashire have been relegated this season. Uh, Middlesex are in the uh, are in the second division, so it's not it's not a carte blanche that you're a Test county. I mean, you're that's successful. that's always been a sort of major bugbear of mine in having to explain that because you know, was it 16 years? 2002 is the last time Surrey won it. If it was simply a case that you kind of you threw your money around or the business off the field was going great and therefore you, you then then you're absolutely right sorry would have won it every year wouldn't they well look at Manchester um, United I mean their, their <laughs> off field business couldn't these, be better and they're a shambles the, these things happen and there are all there are peaks and troughs with, with any team some, some teams some counties are kind of you know in a desperate situation where financially they're struggling and they struggle to find their own their own teams you know imagine where Nottinghamshire would be if it wasn't a test match ground because all they seem to do you know was the last guy who was born in Notts probably Luke Fletcher still I mean mm. Um, you know they 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 raid the sort of like the East Midlands um, uh, trophy cabinet in terms of people every year to kind yeah. of to, to keep themselves um, with the status that, that is fitting of their their surroundings. So yeah, I mean it's a it, it, it's an interesting one. The, the, the comparison is very interesting. Um, and uh, but one thing's for sure, the neutral would 
still, and I understand this, would, would still certainly support Worcestershire over Surrey, given any, <laughs> given the, given to having to make the choice. Was there a period, Butch, um, when Surrey weren't a team as such in the last decade? Was there, I mean, the club obviously went through some really awful times that yeah. are well documented, but beyond that, was there also a, has Alex Stewart brought a, a different ethos back to the club again um, uh, in the last few years? Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, had had three or four goes at kind of trying to sort of rebuild um, the club. Um, you know, the, the carnage that, that ensued after after Ben's passing back in 2002 it took a very, very long time, very long time. And the ripples that were caused by that and the decisions that were made, etc., etc., the expectation that the, that the club still had of itself of still being sort of like the, the top dog way beyond sort of like the last championship win in 2002 meant that some of the decision making was was curious to say the least and I was involved in that um, but also there was the kind of just didn't have that same in the same way that we have now didn't have a real high quality crop of young players coming through and believe you me the clubs the clubs sort of ethos has always been that if you've got your own and they're good enough you play them um, because you're trying to, you're, not only you're trying to make the club successful or be successful as a club, but you also want to produce England players. And so it's taken a heck of a long time for that sort of thing to happen. And so Jason's success, Sam Curran's recent success now getting an England contract is exactly what the club is all about. Forget the trophy side of it. Um, and it's taken an incredibly long time to get to a position where, you know, we've got guys representing England um, who've come from from Surrey County Cricket Club. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, Tom, you, you go to Tom Maynard in, in, in 2012. You know, there have been all of these huge bumps in the road. And then finally, it's, you know, Alec has come along. It's fallen to him to come and come in and... Uh, and um, do what the gaffer always did. Do what the gaffer did. Got it, got, got it everything, got, got it all organised. Open the batting, Alec, keep wicket, yeah, yeah. do all of those. Just <laughs> sort it out. Whatever he's doing, leave it to me yeah. and I'll sort it. And, uh, and he has done so. And hopefully, you know, there, there are no guarantees. Obviously, oh, you know, it's going to be a legacy. This team could win it for the next four or five years. Well, as Yorkshire know, as Sussex found out, Essex, as, as less, Essex, yeah. Surrey found out in the, at the turn of the century, none of these things are, are a given. Um, and you need an enormous amount of luck just to win it twice in a row, let alone three, four, five times. So Butch has touched on, on, on the Worcestershire comparison. I mean, as Butch said, they've got young cricketers coming through. Ed Barnard, Dylan Pennington, Pat Brown is the one we'll talk a bit more about in a moment. They have had until last week Joe Clark. Um, he's moved to, 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 to Knotts. Um, but just on the T20 success, um, a huge, another huge feather in the cap of Moeen Ali, who's had a resurgent season. His captaincy in that team... Was was that a side we perhaps hadn't seen from from Moeen in, in in the past? How he could lead a, a young team like that? Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. I mean, the, the, the sense you get from Moeen playing for England is he's just, he's very grateful for his opportunity. He doesn't want to rock the boat. He doesn't want to doesn't want to be noticed as such. I mean, certainly that's the sense you get about his, his how he how he views himself as a spinner. Obviously, there's all the talk about Rashid coming in as being the frontline spinner to allow Moeen just to just a slipstream. But then again, the flip side of that is Moeen's willingness to to do whatever's necessary for the team, be it batted eight or batted He's three. He's almost like this age Alex Stewart in a way. Yeah, Any role you give him, yeah. Moeen will do it. Absolutely. One to nine, he'll bowl, he'll whatever. He'll, Precisely. Yeah. And by, by, by all accounts, looking at the way he led that Worcestershire team, that would include the captaincy as well. I mean, no one really talks about him as an I was going to throw captain. it out there. Yeah. Ha, ha, have we seen enough as a, as a 
could you ever see Moeen Ali as England captain? I could. I, I just the only the only concern about that is that is Moeen, Moeen himself projects us insecurity about his own role in the side. So whether he would think he was uh, worthy of being selected in the first place, I mean he would. Frankly, let's face it, he's a he's a quality all rounder. But uh, I think there is still inherent. Sort of, he, he doesn't. He doesn't yet believe he's good enough. I don't think to to be a, a regular pick. One thing's for sure is that he commands an enormous amount of respect from from his peers, whether they be the, the young fellas in the Worcestershire dressing room or his teammates in in the England side. Um, you know, he he is somebody that is universally sort of liked and respected, um, and you know he's a. He's a terrifically nice guy. I mean, he was on BBC Breakfast the other day, sort of talking about his autobiography and, um, and various other things. And he just comes across as a, as, as a wonderful, wonderful human being. Um, none of that has anything to do with winning trophies and stuff, of course. You know, um, there have been some right old beeps, uh, <laughs> captain size or whatever. But um, you know, again, I, I sort of go. Well, he didn't look like Steve Waugh, did he? Apparently, yeah. Who knew? Might have got that idea from. Um, you know. Again, I sort of go back to the idea that Worcestershire are kind of like everybody's West Indies, you know, the second favourite team if you don't support them. Um, and, and so he he leads a very, very popular group of young lads. He's also a very popular cricketer himself. And perhaps most most interestingly, he sort of puts it that his time out of the England side, a little bit of a rest, which was due, you know, due to his performances sort of flatlining to, to a really bad extent, um, you know, is what has rejuvenated him and sort of given him the time, a bit of space to kind of work out who he who he is, how he's playing, how he can improve various things, and then he comes back with a bang. And I kind of, the, and the reason I mention that is because a lot of people have said to me over the last you know month or so, oh well, you know, should should they have given Alistair Cook a year off or something in the hope that it would sort of prolong his career, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I do I do think that uh, that despite the fact that these guys get paid an enormous amount of money mm-hmm. in central contracts and all that kind of stuff. If you are in the in the spotlight of, of playing Test match and, and ODI cricket, touring etc., year on year out with hardly any break, the, the the chances that you're going to be able to maintain a level of, of form and a level of freshness and a, a level of perspective on 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 everything are virtually impossible. And that you know, looking at giving main players or, or resting some of your your main guys for various series, giving them time off, is the only way perhaps to prolong some of these careers which could see themselves burning out before before we would like. I mean we did a very interesting study in Cricket Monthly uh, last week which showed the amount of cricket being played by by all teams around the world and mm. and England players particularly Bairstow and Root mm. were I think they were 90 odd days yeah, so one in four days of a year they were playing international cricket mm. so that doesn't even include IPL and domestic and yeah. that was like 20 days more than even Virat Kohli yeah. so partic- it's a particular danger for England players who play all formats and Moeen yeah. obviously is integral to, to that uh, perhaps not as integral as Root maybe but still you know fundamentally a first first choice squad pick in, in, all, in all three formats so Absolutely, it, it, it's clearly exhausting, and obviously the other thing that's come out from Moeen is the all the, all the Osama stuff that, 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 that's bubbled up, and it just makes you think, you know, by the end of that Ashes, was he just sick of sick of all mm. of the noise, all well, of the, I mean, all he, the chat he wasn't around fit it? Fit either was he? When no, he started, yeah, that finger at the, the beginning, finger issue at the beginning, put on the cook of a ball, wasn't it? Everything. Um, yeah. yeah, so 
I mean, yeah, great, great story for him. I, I guess you know the ones that, that perhaps he'd have been wishing that they were going anywhere other than Sri Lanka and the, and the winter tours now, because <laughs> because now, right now again he becomes the most important bowler that they have. Yeah. You know, forget you know, Jimmy Anderson will do his thing. He will, you know, he will get on with it. He'll be brilliant. Go at no runs per over, etc., etc. But he's unlikely to be taking six and seven fours um, in Test series in Sri Lanka. Moeen Ali and Adil Rashid are right back where they've been in India, where they were in the UAE before, where England's success or failure will depend on whether they can bat for long periods of time, which so far they've shown no ability being able to do, and whether the spinners are going to be able to take wickets on turning pitches. So, you know, the honeymoon will be a short-lived one um, for, for Moeen and Adil because they've got to, they've got to come out and bring it um, on, this, on this short trip to Sri Lanka. One young player who has come through under, under Moeen in the T20 soils through Worcestershire's ranks this season is, is Pat Brown, the leading wicket-taker in the blast, um, was too short of the overall uh, English T20 record um, by the end of the season. Um, not included in England's white ball squads that were named um, that last week. Um, Alfonso uh, Thomas, Alfonso. 33 wickets, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Um, um, so, so yeah, Brown not included. England, one thing perhaps worth mentioning, England still have not yet named their squad for the one-off T20 yeah. against Sri Lanka, so perhaps there. But slight surprise not to see Brown in that white ball line squad straight off. I don't know. I think I think if there was a... thing is, there's still a little way to go to the T20 World Cup, and I think that's probably the moment that, that he some comes zooming into the reckoning. I think England are pretty... Confident of, I mean, hiding on mystery bowler. Well, yeah, well, you know, there, there, there is a, there is a sense that, um, you know, the, the 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 central contracts that were announced last week were absolutely, you know, the white ball squad was the, was the thirteen names you'd expect to to be fronting up in, in the fifty man squad plus two two spaces. So yes, maybe he comes in the reckoning. But clearly, T twenty and fifty over cricket are slightly removed. Uh, but there's no question he's got a huge future. I mean, just the, you know, obviously I haven't seen vast amounts of him, but what we could see from those two games, pressure games and at finals day, was a incredible mind and a guy who, who knew exactly what he wanted to deliver, when he wanted to deliver it, an ability to, to change up as well. You know, the, the, perhaps the most fundamental thing about him is that you know, he seemed to bowl his, his sort of almost doodlebug cutters and, and knuckleballs and what have you as, as his stock ball, but then he could still hit 85 miles an hour, which is absolutely vital because one day, you know, maybe, maybe batsmen will be able to set themselves and hit Pat Brown's doodlebug and be able to smack it out of the ground. It's the slow ball coming up, but then suddenly if he's pinging 85, 90 mile an hour, Across their nose, it's like okay, well, that's a different different kettle of fish. He's got he's got he's got the weapons to to adapt as he gets older, and people adapt to him. Formidable prospect. First time I saw him um, would have been the semi final of the, the Royal London that, that Worcester narrowly um, failed to win against Kent. Brilliant run chase, I know Kent, etc. Yeah. I think back in the early part of the summer. Um, and he was charged with bowling the last over in that one and, you know, didn't work out for him and he was devastating and all that kind of stuff. And a moment like that has, well, there's only two ways for it really. One is that you, you kind of don't fancy bowling to the death anymore or you sort of go away and go, well, you know, that, that wasn't so bad, but I've learned something here and you become better. Now, the next time I saw him in T20, he, he had looked, he looked to be, he looked to have sort of grown five years in the space <laughs> of time, you know, mm. just the maturity that, that, um, that had increased between that semi-final and then the, the, when the, by the time the blast started and you wouldn't have said that he was you know he was a total rookie um, you know come out of where was he from Shropshire or somewhere mm, and know. then went down to this pace camp run pace, by Stephen, ca- Stephen Jones, Stephen Jones, Jones yeah. you, just, you, wouldn't, you yeah. wouldn't even have put the two guys in the same in the same sentence you know so mm. um, if he continues to, to, to learn 
at that sort of rate um, stays fit perhaps you know gets gets even gets stronger get puts on a, even more in terms of uh, consistency of pace etc he's going to be a good one I mean it's interesting you talk about the, those moments that didn't come off it's not an exact comparison because obviously Anderson and Broad never really sort of nailed it as white ball bowlers as such but there's no question that Broad has always harked back to his six sixes the, 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 that moment at Durban in 2007 World T20 as a huge moment for him in, in, in his development as a sort of recognition that okay this it will never get worse than this I can only learn from this experience and likewise Anderson getting smacked into, into, the, into the scoreboard in, in the 2003 World Cup against uh, against Australia again moments that that you know out of out of the the horror of of screwing up on a big stage comes uh, comes learning opportunities especially when in both cases they were incredibly young and got their entire careers ahead of them so you know onwards and upwards for Pat Brown and uh, you know what a going back to the point about uh, what we started started with the just the the conveyor belt the talent coming out of Worcestershire. I mean, you know, they they really have excelled in in producing. It really is coming out of Worcestershire. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, going elsewhere. That's my that's my segue done for me there because I just the last thing on the county game. I just wanted to touch on this um, of talented players um, going on to further their careers at so-called bigger clubs. Perhaps Joe Clark is the Worcestershire one who's, who's moving on over the winter. Knots have also bagged Zach Chapel, um, the promising, uh, very promising. You listen to George, uh, <laughs> pace bowler from from Leicester. I mean. Players will naturally want to, to gravitate to what they perceive as bigger uh, and better challenges, and I guess we've seen this become more prevalent over the last decade as the two divisions has taken hold. Um, if, if two divisions remains the future, Butch, which by the sounds of it, it does, with a few tweaks around the edges, mm. do do the I, I feel harsh to call them feeder clubs. Do, they, do the clubs that produce this talent need a better? compensation system than the one currently where they do get these payments so like Leicester for example are still paid something for broad for example but it's not a lot do, mm. does there need to be a greater recognition of, of talent transfer well one thing one thing that wouldn't change if there were if there were um, transfer fees is players moving so that wouldn't stop that what it what it might stop um is sort of one club, i.e. Nottinghamshire again, um, sort of grabbing hold of three or four players from various teams, because perhaps they wouldn't be able to afford it. They'd look at the, they'd look at the outlay and go, well, is it, you know, is it worth it? Can we spend that money, in a in a better way? Um, aside from that, I'm not really, I'm not entirely sure what what, are, what can be done. It depends on whether you, we're coming at this from the point of view. Do we need to stop this? Is this is this a bad thing, and therefore there needs to be a solution to, to stop it from happening, or is it you know how do you just sort of sweeten the deal for the poor old clubs who keep losing all their players? Um, I guess I, think, I, I guess the point about smaller counties is as you mentioned earlier, show there are some cash-strapped smaller counties. Would would, would this be a but who still manage to produce yeah. some good well, players? Would well, this be a the, way of evening. I think the, fun, the fundamental thing though is is it is a good thing ultimately if players are encourage that there is a system that you can keep rising through because that we that means you will bubble up from grassroots through the club that will that will nurture you and that club will nurture you in the knowledge that this guy's an asset he could win us trophies or he could be very valuable on the transfer market so you know if there are bigger clubs who want to hoover them up I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because it means that suction all the way up through the system comes from the absolute grassroots which encourages players because because kids Essentially, three. They're three talent. If you if you nurture them from from year dot, 
you know, it's a lot cheaper than than har- harvesting coalbacks, isn't it? So, you know, let's, let's yeah. I mean, and also, you know, the, the, these clubs in a lot of cases, Pat Brown, for example, come from they come from minor counties cricket. Yeah. So there is there is kind of like a, there's a pathway there, and, and, and the next step, and the next step. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I haven't got, I haven't got any major object, objections to there being some compensation. Because the, yeah, I, I think you're right. There, there needs to be there needs to be some sort of recognition of the, the fact that these players have have been brought to us to a standard whereby they caught the eye of a big club, um, and and it deserves to be uh, to be recompensed. Shield Berry's idea in the Telegraph in his end of season column was um, for every for every um, coal pack um, player. This is coal pack every. Colpack player county sounds they should start with a ten point deduction at the start of the next season. Shields <laughs> likes well, to throw. Well, Shield, no, Shield, no, loves Shield, Shield, Shield was always a big fan of mine when I played. I seem to remember. Um, <laughs> uh, he, um, look, uh, th- there's only one way of stopping counties looking for talent from outside. Colpack players signing players from from other clubs, etc. And that is to have less counties. That's the one. That's the one thing you can do to stop it. If there were enough players of high enough quality and I, I say that with inverted commas then clubs would not be so eager to be scouring the world looking for talent to fill up their teams and I'm sorry I don't care what anybody says that is the end of that argument well let's end that argument now and <laughs> switch our attention uh, to England um, for the for the second half uh, of the show um, already um, the overseas season is, is about to begin as I mentioned earlier England have the England One Day players landed in Sri Lanka today. There's that full tour, and then a tour of the West Indies um, after Christmas. Um, so another busy winter um, for England. It starts with the One Days in Sri Lanka, and it, it feels like a decent time to be playing Sri Lanka. They've they've, they've sacked and then dropped their captain because he can't run between the wickets. <laughs> um, they do uh, invariably they're a bit of a rabble sometimes out there, but they seem in a particular state, having gone out the Asia Cup barely before it started. So England have. I mean, England have won a series in Sri Lanka in 2007, but it's a tough place to go and play. But with England's one-day form and Sri Lanka's lack of it, feels like England will start favourites. I think they, I think they will. I think they should, frankly. But they, you know, they they aren't they aren't uh, um, favourites for the World Cup for no reason. They are incredibly good one-day sides. So yes, they should. But it's it's an ideal challenge, really. Just you know, because the one thing that England have not done. Uh, consistently is adapt to awkward conditions. You know they can take their their full throttle methods and 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 go gung ho and try to score three fifty four hundred every innings. But what happens when you do come up against a bowler who will just just force you to to see them off? You know ten overs for twenty or whatever it is. And how do you respond to that challenge without collapsing in a heap as as they did? You know Chahal getting them all out for. Eight for spit in a couple or of years ago. Cool deep before they worked. Cool deep before they worked them out. Exactly, yeah. big plays like that. So there, there will, you would imagine, come a moment in these in these matches where England have a crisis. They have have a you know have to think laterally, if not if not completely change their methods. And that's exactly what they failed to do, famously in uh, Cardiff in the in the semi final of the Champions Trophy. So you know it's a great opportunity for them to to you know take their methods. And adapt them uh, for for all purposes. I'll tell you what's an interesting thing. That just looking at the the squad. I mean, only only Ollie Stone is the, is the only sort of um, new face new face yeah. in that one day one day international squad. And I I, I kind of like the idea that England have, have basically gone. These are our best one day international players. 
yes, we're going to be going somewhere where the potential that the pitches are going to turn and the seamers aren't going to play a massive part. But what they've said, in terms of, particularly in terms of the batting, in terms of the spin bowling, with Liam Dawson uh, as an addition to Adil Rashid and Moeen Ali, is that these guys will go out there, they will adapt, and we will still win because we're, we're a better bunch of players. They haven't sort of gone down that route of going massively horses for courses for this trip. And I believe that's right because I think I'm looking at the looking at the squad and it's they are the best one day players in the country. So, I think. so, so you don't think it was perhaps a missed opportunity to maybe throw someone like a Matt Parkinson in there as your as your, as your third spin option for two like Shrang? Do you think England have got so much momentum in one day cricket? They are such a good side that actually now is not the time to. No, to maybe I mean, be doing and, they, that? and they trust. You know, if you if you they've got a, they've already got a leg spinner who happens to, to have taken more wickets than anybody else yeah. in one day as in the yeah. last twelve months. Um, Moeen and, and Dawson, Dawson is kind of like he's the, he's the, the, he's the backup he? character. Yeah, he'll yeah. Prob- they'll probably play all three of them at, at some point. Um, and again, you know, I suppose the only thing you could look at in terms of the squad is have they have they taken one too many quick bowlers um, simply because they'll just be sat on their backsides <laughs> for for most of the trip, not doing anything. But other than that, absolutely, no, absolutely no issues with the uh, with the makeup of that side. Whatsoever, and I and I fully expect them to win. I fully expect them to to also probably lose a game in disastrous fashion. Absolutely. I mean, that's the, that's the thing, though, isn't it? I, I you know Matt Matt Parkinson had you know some great figures this summer. In on the face of it, is worthy of consideration. But the last thing that England need to be doing um, six months out from the defining World Cup of the generation, home soil and all the rest of it, is queering the pitch and, and, and muddying their, their, their thinking with yeah. with sort of lateral options. It's like you don't need to have Matt Parkinson's numbers from a Sri Lanka to sort of nibbling away at the back of your head when Adil Rashid is clearly the first choice for a home World Cup. So, yeah, I think probably better just to park that, no pun intended, and come Very back good. to it in 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 the aftermath of the World Cup, on the eve of the World Cup, when it's really time for it, well, yeah, that too. England style. As soon as it gets Pakistan in May, yeah, the, the, let's throw someone in there. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, the one curveball that may yet cause England a few headaches in the next few months depends on the decision that the CDC make towards <laughs> um, Alex Hales and, and Ben Stokes. That that hearing is going to take place in early December. I mean, Sam Curran's emergence helps cover for that Stokes role if there's a worst case scenario. Uh, and for any length of time, he's not available. If an extra batsman was required, do you say that it's probably still between Sam Billings and, and, and James Vince? If, if there was another batsman to slot back in, given what they've done this last few months, or do you think there's someone who um, who, who would come in, a Liam Livingstone or another or Joe Clark? Or is it again? Are we going back to what Andrew said about you don't want to rock the boat now? You want to go back to the players who have been around the squad if needed. Yeah, I'd, I'd say James Vince. Um, yeah. Because he's versatile, isn't he? he can, as, the, as he did this season, he opened the batting in one game. Yeah, he yeah. could bat he's anywhere good. in the top I four. I mean, the one, the one, the one advantage, and it's a strange advantage that England have got, is that that Hales is already just about expendable because of the way that mm. that, that that top order structure. If anyone's then, missing out on that top order, it's going to it's going to be one of one Hales, of Roy, or Bairstow, Hales, depending yeah. on who's not scored runs. And yeah. at the moment, Roy and Roy and Bairstow are, 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 I think. Quite by quite a distance, the front runners. So it's not the end of the world. You can bring in, as you say, a squad player who's a familiar face and will, will do a job. Um, whether Billings has been doing that job is a, is a moot point. He's obviously had got huge plaudits for, for his, his captaincy of Kent, and I think he's probably developed from having a summer where he's actually played cricket rather than just sitting on the bench. But <laughs> helps. But, yeah, but it don't, yeah. genuinely it doesn't seem to have helped. No, Vince, but, is, Vince is above him. Yeah. If you're talking about a specialist batsman anywhere, one to one to five, then Vince is. 
Vince is straight ahead. Well, um, top order batting uh, remains the uh, perhaps one of the two key issues in in, in the Test match team. It's going to be uh, November of the Test series starts. It's going to be beginning of life without um, Alistair Cook, um, Keaton Jennings, Roy Roy Burns, Moeen Ali, and Joe Denley appear to be vying for the top three position. Between them, Moeen will obviously start somewhere in the team, whether it's number three or not. Um, I mean, Butch. I mean. Burns had to be selected after the yeah. season he had. Um, Denley's a bit of a punt and Jennings a massive show of faith. Would you think yeah. that's a fair way of putting Je- it? Jennings is, put it this way, the the answer to the one, two and three question has not been provided. Um, Rory Burns absolutely deserves to be picked. He will, you know, he, he deserves to have seven, eight test matches to before people make a decision as to whether or not he's the, he's the answer to the question or not. Keaton Jennings is last last chance saloon. Um, and Joe Denley has been picked, I think, as much because of the fact that he might be able to bowl you a few overs a leg spin as he is uh, for somebody who's a long... Genuinely t- one of the best who's, batsmen. He's genuinely one of the best top three batsmen in the country with a, with a long-term future in the, in the side. I'm, kind of, I'm a little bit disappointed with that. I, and, and I think Joe's a terrific player and he's a great man and he's matured a lot since the last time he was in an England shirt. But really, um, I still, you know, the way I see it is that at some point, the top three, providing Burns passes the, passes the audition, um, will be Burns, Nick Gubbins to me looks like a, looks like a really good um, left-handed opening batsman. And, and I think that if Jason Roy is going to play Test Match Cricket, then number three is a great position for him to be. Um, and I think that he has the ability... Um, and the attitude to, um, you know, to succeed in that spot, I really do. So, I mean, that that would be throwing it forward. Mm-hmm. He would he would be the guy that I would say, give this bloke a go. Be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, Roy is one who will be absorbed into the build-up for England's World Cup next year. So we won't necessarily have any. I mean, it's conceivable he's, he's in this four-day squad for the Lions trip to the UAE. It's not inconceivable, depending on how much they rest and rotate players beginning of the season, that he may not have much four-day cricket till about next August, September. No, so, no, I mean, didn't do so, Josh Butler any harm, did no. it? Well, no. Well, so, so I guess, does that yeah. then, going back to that point, the Rashid point you can throw in there mm-hmm. as well, these things seem to Ed Smith to be mattering a little bit less. You know, if Roy I has a stormy winter, does he I come back I completely agree. I, I, think, I think Smith, Smith strikes me as, as a guy who is wanting to challenge his squad to... Just adapt. He said something quite revealing along those lines uh, at the squad announcement. He said something along the lines of, you know, we went for Rory Burns because he made an unanswerable case. It just so happens that he's he's a bit like Alistair Cook in in mindset and, and outlook. But, you know, if he'd been blazing sixes left, right and centre, we'd still have picked him because he was the right man for the role. He's he's not looking for a, a like-for-like certain replacement. He's not looking player. for a certain yeah. type of player. He's just looking for a player who will, you know, Verinder Sewag is the best opener available for India. You're not going to not pick him because he's not a Alistair Cook lookalike, is he? You know, it, it, they're, so then he's not interested in, in stereotypes and... and, and any sort of set agenda. He just wants all of his players to be capable of doing whatever jobs asked them, which I think is why Denley is a guy that he's turned to, because obviously two of the themes of the summer were England's uh, reluctance to adapt in the top order, specifically Root not wanting to be three and Bairstow not wanting to give up the gloves. Uh, those are two fundamental players who are obviously first-choice picks for England, but clearly has dug their heels and said, nope, I, I want to be a first-choice pick in this position. Joe Denley clearly 
He's going to be a first choice pick. Uh, what well, if he's a pick at all? He will be a pick at opener. He'll be a picker at three. He'll be a picker. As, he'll go as, where he's told. He'll go where he's yeah. told. He'll bowl leg spin if he's asked to. Mm. He, he's just grateful for the opportunity. And I think a few more players who are grateful for that opportunity is not a bad thing. Just just to, just as a reminder to what is now a fairly set squad of players. I mean, what only ten central contracts, isn't it? So mm. the test test central yeah. contracts. Yeah. So there's not even a full team of co- contracts. None of them are, are, are top order batters. Well, no. exactly. So which is which yeah. is my point. I mean, my point is that we're still in a in the position where we're kind of like you just throw a bunch of names up in the air and see how they fall down. And <laughs> uh, you know, that's and that and I have sympathy for selecting that because Burns aside, nobody else has made a, a case beyond you having to have a gut feel about somebody whether or not they can do it. Um, in a way, perhaps the most interesting central contract handed out, um, Sam Cohen was always going to get one after the season he'd had, um, is that Ado Ashid is now fully contracted, <laughs> the red and white ball. Um, it's been quite two months for... And he's, uh, he's gone, so just signed a new contract with York yes, as well. Yes, which, which means a, they now get for free because he's on the ECB <laughs> list, so yeah. they, they don't have to, which Yorkshire always like to yeah. get something yeah. for free, don't they? But that was, that was, um, that was then, just a bit of box ticking, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> but, but, I mean, this guy's gone from two months ago being nowhere in Red Bull cricket to being an England century contracted test mm. player. I mean, that's that's very Ed Smith, and it's <laughs> it's very those two deliveries he's bowled this summer, one to Virat <laughs> and one to KL Rahul, have done him a world of good. Yeah, I mean, yep. Yeah. And oh, yeah. look, as far as the, the, the getting a contract with Yorkshire and going back to playing for, I don't think he, there's no way he couldn't have decided he was going to go back to playing four day cricket. And because of the World Cup, etc., he probably won't play any anyway. You know, the World Cup, then the Ashes. If and he's involved in interesting, that. it's just a one-year thing with Yorkshire. So this time next year, we'll be going through the same debate so, about yeah, exactly. yeah. is Rashid exactly. going to so, I mean, well, This time next year, we're going through a debate with pretty much every player in the world because well, in, in, the, in the country because of the, the 2020 the 100, 100 yeah. crisis that's looming. Yeah. But, you know, we'll, we'll cross that. <laughs> like, a bit like Brexit, face it when we face it. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Um, well, we'll <laughs> let's not. We might not delve into that right on this show. I think we've just kept it on cricket just about long enough. But um, we'll, we'll find out in a couple of months' time whether England spinners um, can shine in Sri Lanka and whether England can find a top order, or whether Rangana Harath has another another triumph in him, um, hobbling in on, on on one leg as he tends to do quite effectively um, these days. But we'll wrap things up there for this week's show. Uh, and if I can just be self-indulgent for one moment, um, this on, this will be my final switch hit um, at least for a while, and it's current format as I head off to a um, new challenge in, 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 in Sydney with, uh, with Quick Info. Um, maybe in time I'll launch an Aussie version of the podcast, uh, but for now it will hopefully be in the safe hands of Alan and Miller. Um, I say hopefully. Um, I say what could possibly, what go, could possibly go wrong? Yes. Um, it's been great fun bringing it to you over the years. Uh, from the broom cupboard in our previous office, which uh, Miller and Alex Brown once stunk out with a kebab uh, the morning after uh, a few drinks, um, to trying to keep control of the lively debates between Butch and George whenever the heavy roller was mentioned. Um, <laughs> so it has, has, has been great fun. The conversation's been great. Made by Butch, I think we all agree. He's um, a huge asset to the to the show. Uh, people do generally tune in to hear what Butch has got to rant about on, on, on the show. So anyway, it's thanks to Miller and Butch for this week's show. And it's thanks to you for listening to us on ESPNCoffeeInfo.com. <laughs>